Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Hello, it's Pastor Julie, and we are in the fourth of our series on the Apostles' Creed called We Believe. And today we're going to be looking at the part of the creed that says, We believe in the church, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. So we are going to be reading from Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, and also in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So from the Gospel of Matthew, we read, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And in Hebrews... Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God." The word of God for God's people. Let's give thanks to God. Okay, so I want everyone to imagine their happy place. Then take a deep breath and say, Ah, mine is the beach. A bright, sunny, warm day with the ocean waves lapping close by. My feet dug in the sand and a gentle wind blowing across my face. Say it again with me. Ah. Have you ever been to the beach or actually anywhere warm and not had a breeze blowing? It can be pretty miserable when that's the case. Did you know that wind at the beach happens when the air over the land gets warm and rises and the air over the ocean, which is cooler, moves in to fill the space left by the rising air? It all has to do with changing air pressures and a difference in temperatures. If there's no temperature difference, then the air doesn't move, so it's stagnant. Now, how many of you know that there is an actual place on the earth called the doldrums? I always thought it was a state of mind. Being in the doldrums was like a mild depression, and it is, but at the equator, Because there are no changing pressures and temperatures, there is no wind. And ships could get stuck there for a really long time. So they named it the doldrums. No wind, getting stuck. It was depressing. 
Now, you may wonder why I'm going on about the wind. Well, I'm going to tell you. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit in our series on what we believe as Christians and why. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of God living in us and working through us in the power of God. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit binds all creation together. And I said that the Spirit connects us all into what we call the church. The Holy Spirit came to us on the day we call Pentecost in a mighty rushing wind and in tongues of fire. We call this day the birthday of the church. The wind is one of the metaphors we use to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in us, but especially in the church. Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that is in him. That is the work of the Holy Spirit who guides us, empowers us, gives us gifts to use for Christ's work in the world, and sanctifies us, making us holy. A mighty, rushing wind that breathes new life in us when we claim Jesus Christ as our Savior. But often, when we use the word church to anyone who does not go to church, the word can cause a lot of conflict and anguish. Many people uh, over the years have been hurt by the church, which they define as organized religion that meets in buildings also called churches. Some will say they've been forced to go to church all their lives and have only found judgment and guilt there. Some will say the church is full of hypocrites and they have no tolerance for that. Sad to say, all of that is true. I believe that over the years, starting long before anyone here was even conceived, we forgot what the church really is and what it means to be the church. It's left us in what I will call the spiritual doldrums. So today, while we talk about what we believe about the church and figure out how to put that into words to explain it to others, It should be a good reminder for us as individuals and as the church what it means to be the church and how to get back on track when we've gotten things wrong, how to get that wind blowing again and get us out of the doldrums. Well, the church is not really a building, and I think most of us know that. There is a difference between what we'll call the big C church and the Little C Church. The Little C Church usually refers to a local branch of the Big C Church, like Asbury United Methodist Church, Little C Church, Centennial, Little C Church, Presbyterian Church of Smyrna, Little C Church, St. Polycarp's Catholic, Little C Church. In the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, many times people will say, wait a minute, I'm not Catholic. Why do we say that? Then I point to the little asterisk that says that the word Catholic means universal. Long before there was a Roman Catholic Church, the word Catholic referred to all Christians everywhere. All believers around the world bound together as one Big C Church, by faith in Jesus Christ. The word holy means sacred to 
or set apart for God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of that big C church, God's people, set apart and sacred to God. And we become part of each other, bound together by our faith through the Holy Spirit. Now, our little C churches come from the word ecclesia, translated church in the New Testament. It means a gathering of people called out by Jesus Christ who together belong to Jesus Christ. And for us, it is the church gathering together to worship God and to testify to our faith by doing his will and work in the world. I truly believe that this pandemic has had the plus of reminding us that the church is not a building, but instead a community of believers no matter how or where we gather for worship. See, where we get it wrong sometimes is when we see the local or little C church as its own entity that belongs to someone in particular or a specific group of people who gather there. Believing that can have disastrous results. One extreme is the Reverend Jim Jones. Jim Jones called it his church. And look what happened as he led all of his followers to Guyana and then to their death. It's not the pastor's church. It doesn't belong to the families who built the building. It doesn't belong to the denomination whose name is on the sign out front. The church, Big C Church, includes all those little C churches and they belong to God. Many times, people in the church, a church, have destroyed the witness of Jesus Christ in the world by claiming authority and fighting over what happens with and in the church. Since the church belongs to God, our mission is to discern together through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is calling us to do, and then to do it. The building only matters in that this is the place we gather together, or in today's COVID world, to send out via the internet the means to encourage one another, to learn, to pray, to discern, to worship, and it is our base of operations for doing that work in the world. The church is not the building. It is the people. But the building called the church often stands as a witness to the assembly of God's people as they worship, learn, and grow and give witness to their faith. It also stands as a reminder that we are not called to live out our faith alone, but that we are called to live in, in community. That's why we call the local church a community of faith. We were created for community, not to live life alone. We are made in the image of God, and we believe in a triune God, one God in three persons. This God is one, yet exists in community, one in three, three in one. We are part of the one church and we are called to live in a community of faith. People often will try to say they don't need the church to have faith. I don't need to go to church. I can practice faith on my own. 
But God says, no. People who try to live without human contact often go insane. We need other people. That's how we were made. Our faith life is no different. We need each other to grow in our faith. How can we even begin to practice loving God and one another without other people of faith? We need that precious gift of that community to hold each other accountable, to encourage each other, to learn to forgive, to learn to love unconditionally, and how to serve sacrificially. Jesus didn't just call disciples. He called a community and sent the Spirit to give birth to the church. And I believe that this has been a challenging time for the people of the church who rely on that connection in the building to feel a part and have a sense of that community. I'm with you if you're struggling with the loss of that fellowship that we're used to in the church. However, remember, we are not alone and we can be together in spirit, even as we are apart. That is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. She holds us together, unites us as one. No matter where we are, we are one in Christ through the power of the Spirit. In this day and age, so many people are searching for a loving, encouraging community. Anyone who will love and support them unconditionally The church is God's answer to that quest. As people of faith, even Jesus reminds us that we are a family. Jesus said in Mark 3, 33 to 34, Who are my mother and my brothers? Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And Jesus says in our passage today that it is on Peter's faith in him as Messiah that he will build his church. Those who gather together as followers of Jesus Christ, doing his will, are the family of God that we call the church. Yet we know that there are times when we fail to be the church. Jesus calls us to be. Remember, he says they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We mess that up sometimes. And that's Actually, the main reason people see the church is full of hypocrites. We say we love everyone, that all are welcome, but our actions don't always reflect that. What we do and say are sometimes seen as not loving at all. When we, as people who claim to follow Christ, point fingers, spew words of hate, Judge people by their skin color, their social status, what they wear, their political views, or their past. Can anyone say that's loving? When we say mean and hurtful things to someone, instead of building them up, or don't even try to find loving ways to hold someone accountable for their mistakes, when we aren't welcoming to people, and when we don't take notice of someone who's been absent for a while, When we leave our church family over a disagreement instead of giving grace and forgiveness and trying to work things out, that's when we mess up. 
But the good news is that we can always start again and get things right. There are hypocrites here. Thank God. We are all hypocrites in some way, all sinners in need of grace. It's good we're here because church is where we can get the help we need to do better. Every day is a new day to give witness to what God has done for us, a new day to be the church. We're the church when we care for one another. And I've seen that happening in amazing ways because often as the church, we do get it right. We're the church when we send cards and meals or phone calls to those grieving or who have been ill. We're the church when we do notice someone has been absent and give them a call to go and visit. We're the church when we help each other in times of need. We're the church when we pray for each other and make it a point to do that every day. We're the church when we say hello and are welcoming to people who walk through those doors and when we're just plain kind to those we meet outside those doors. How have we been the church to someone else recently? Where have we failed? How can we do better? As part of the church, we have a responsibility to do what God is calling us to do, to live like Jesus teaches us to live, and to serve our community and our church in his name as the body, the body of Christ in the world. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the church became his body, his flesh, his hands and feet in the world. How are we doing with that? There are 2.2 billion Christians living in the world today. What would this world look like if we all lived out our call to be the church together, the body of Christ to each other and to the world? See, and that's where the communion of saints comes in. On my ordination stole, there are six women from the Bible women whose lives have been examples to me of how God can use anyone to do amazing things. We call those who have faithfully served God and gone on to glory saints. But this line in our creed does not refer only to those who have gone on before us. The saints are all Christians, past, present, and future Saint means set apart for God, just like the word holy. It is who we are as the people of God. We are saints. But we are saints in progress, too. The Holy Spirit is working in us to sanctify us, to make us holy. And we'll complete that work as we take our final breath and are presented before God. The kingdom of God is here now because it lives in each one of us in what we call the church. But it's not here yet because the kingdom will come in full when Christ comes again. Here, but not yet. It can be so confusing. We are saints 
living in the kingdom of God here and now. But the saints are also those who live in the kingdom of God we call heaven. The church joins what is here now with what is, has been and what is to come. We gather to, when we gather together in worship, no matter how we are gathering, in person, online, or by phone, we are standing in the present kingdom, but also standing with the saints that have gone on before us who are living in the kingdom of God in heaven. It is the closest we can come to heaven in this lifetime. Take a minute and just feel the presence of those saints that have gone before us, that are standing with us now. The saints who have gone on before us drew on the power of the Holy Spirit, and that same Spirit binds us together with them and each other. Even today, this is seen in the beauty of our baptism. We have been baptized into the family of God, the church, and using the water to bind us together with all the saints. They rally around us and join us in the unending worship of God. Our Hebrews passage gives us the image of those saints cheering us on as we run the life of faith on our way to complete sanctification, or as John Wesley would say, going on to perfection. Now, we all know that people do better and run faster when someone is there cheering them on. That is what the church is for. We cheer each other on. We encourage each other. And we know that all the saints are standing with us, standing on this hallowed ground in communion with us, praying for us, and they have paved the way for us to continue that race. How this happens is, again, a holy mystery, but we know we will see our loved ones in Christ again. We know when we feel the presence of that mighty rushing wind, it is the same wind our brothers and sisters in Christ have felt over the years. See, the doldrums are a place where there is no wind. And sometimes a church can be in those doldrums because they have stopped listening to the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit. Let the wind of God breathe new life into you as we run this race together. Be the church today and every day. Be in communion with all the saints today, past, present, and future. Feel them here with us as we continue the work of the church. Then some sweet day, we know the end of the story we will all be together in one place where there is no pain, no tears, no mourning, only joy and light and life. One church, one family, one God, one Lord, one spirit. Amen.